Welcome to the Dry Bones Ministries podcast. Each week, we'll bring you inspiring homilies and powerful stories from real Catholics, all about the truth, goodness, and beauty of Christ and His Church. If you're interested in supporting the work that we're doing, you can visit drybonespgh.org or follow us on social media at drybonespgh. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you are reminded of how much the Lord loves you and that you hear His invitation for you to come to life. Happy Feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, body and soul into heaven. My name is Father Adam Potter, and this is a recording of my homily that I gave this last weekend for this beautiful solemnity. So I was thinking about trying to appreciate this incredible reality of what it means that Mary was assumed into heaven. And I guess I was thinking about how spoiled I've been that in my life, due to no merit of my own, I've had the opportunity to travel around the world and see so many different saints and their relics and their tombs. And right, like I've been to St. Peter's Basilica where underneath I've seen the very jawbone of Peter. And I've been outside of the city of Rome where I've seen the, bo- the bones of St. Paul and even the chains that held him cap- captive. I've been up to Milan where just outside is the tomb of St. Augustine. I've been to Assisi where the bones of St. Francis and St. Clair. I've even seen really, really old saints like King David in Jerusalem. His tomb is there. And even really, really obscure saints like the three wise men. The Magi who brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh to baby Jesus, they're in Croatia. Their bones are there, right? So, I was just thinking about that. All these different places, all these different tombs with all these different relics of these heroes of our faith, and yet nowhere in the entire world is there a place where people are saying, oh, come here. It's the tomb of Mary. Or come here. Here's a first-class relic of Mary. Last night, I asked if anyone had seen a relic of Mary and a couple hands went up, and I thought, oh shoot, this is going to be awkward for one of us. But then I was thinking I didn't exclude second-class relics, and actually right here in Pittsburgh on Troy Hill at St. Anthony's Chapel, hopefully you've been there, but there's a second-class relic of Mary. It's her veil, right? And yet still, no one claims to have a first-class relic of her, right? All just to be able to confirm what has been the long-standing belief that Mary's not here in this world. She was taken up into heaven. And yet if we look throughout scriptures, we just find it really lacking any concrete, objective, explicit description. But I think that's right. You know, I think that's, that's right. It leaves it to the imagination just to consider what was this moment really like? And I just think it was so profoundly beautiful that it could, it would only exceed the most beautiful poetic description of what this moment would have looked like. I am thinking though, Raphael, the great Renaissance painter, he has this painting. It's a twofold painting. There's a top half and a bottom half. And on the bottom half, you have all of the apostles gathered around looking into this empty um, coffin, this empty tomb. And they're just looking bewildered, right? And coming out of the tomb is this like overflowing of different roses and beautiful flowers as if, as if this gust of wind just came through and like puffed it all up. And yet on the top half is Mary 
being brought up into the heavenly court where she's being crowned by her son, the king of the universe, to all these choirs of angels singing and chanting and trumpets blaring. And it's almost this divine game of hide and seek, right? Like, how did it happen? I don't know. Did she just disappear from the tomb or did she fall asleep and was taken up on those sheets by angels into the heavenly courts? We just don't know, but it leaves it to our imagination to wonder and to pray, like, what was that like? Here's the thing, though. It's just the church didn't make this up. It's been the longstanding tradition, the longstanding belief, and we find it in Scripture, too. And I just wanted to highlight in a couple ways how Mary is really depicted as one who, because of her sinlessness, because of who she is, that she is in heaven. And to be able to appreciate this, we need to look not to the New Testament, but to the Old Testament, where we see so clearly that it's the Ark of the Covenant that prefigures, prefigures, foreshadows who Mary is, right? Do you remember the Ark of the Covenant? It's this definitive dwelling place, the sanctuary of the Lord. And in 1 Chronicles 15, King David made this special place for it. And to come to appreciate the Ark of, this, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, it's good to remember the what was inside of the ark. And three things the Jews believed were inside. First, they believed the stone tablets containing the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses on Mount Sinai were inside the ark. Second, they believed that there was a golden urn of the manna that God gave from heaven for the Israelites while they were in the desert. And then third, they believed that the staff of Aaron, the high priest that miraculously budded, was also kept in there. So notice how Mary just fittingly fulfills what the Ark of the Covenant is, this definitive dwelling place of God, right? What did she contain within her womb? But first of all, even better than the stone tablets containing the word of God, she contained the living word of God made flesh in her womb, see John 1.14. And she didn't have the manna from heaven even more beautifully fulfilled. She had the living bread of life come down from heaven. See John chapter six. And then infinitely better than the staff of Aaron, the high priest, she had the high priest, Jesus Christ within her womb. See John chapter 19, right? If that's not enough, just to be able to appreciate how Mary fulfills the Ark of the Covenant, do you remember what the Ark was made of? I'm always blown away by this, but if you read Exodus chapter 25, you see that it was made of this special Akasha wood, it's also known as the incorruptible wood, that this wood was so perfect that it would never decay or rot. And this ark was covered in pure gold because it was so holy. And then Deuteronomy actually describes, whenever the ark of the covenant was taken from one place to another, they would drape this beautiful blue cloth over the ark as it was in procession. Notice how it's this is Mary, <laughs> incorruptible. Yes, because of her sinlessness that even her own body would not rot or decay as ours do because of sin. Covered in gold, well, it's her holiness, right? Set apart for this particular mission of God. And then finally, have you ever wondered why Mary is always dressed in blue? <laughs> All right, maybe it's just me, right? Why, why is blue, the color of the blessed blood. It's because she's the new Ark of the Covenant, right? So then we shouldn't be surprised in the book of Revelation. We'll go to the New Testament now. 
whenever John is having this mystical vision of the heavenly Jerusalem, the heavenly temple. He's giving this grand tour of the heavenly liturgy and he's saying, oh, look over here is the wash basin where you come in and over here are the candles and here's the altar and here's the incense and the heavenly liturgy. There's a lot of incense. And then he finally comes and he brings the readers to the Ark of the Covenant, which would have grabbed any first, second century Jewish reader, right? The Ark of the Covenant where is it? It's been gone for hundreds of years in the Babylonian exile. The prophet Jeremiah talks about how he uh, rushed it away to be able to be protected as the Babylonians were coming in. And here John says in Revelation, there it is, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and on her head, a crown of 12 stars to give birth to this royal king to rule the nation. And you're like, wait, what, what about the Ark of the Covenant, you know? It's like, it's her, it's Mary, says John. If you want to know where the Ark of the Covenant is, if you want to know where Mary, the new Ark is, she's in heaven, right? The church did not just make this up. It goes all the way back to the very beginning of scripture. It goes all the way through the church fathers and one saint in particular who I'm stealing this entire homily from, <laughs> wrote in the 8th century, this is St. John of Damascus. He said this himself on his own homily for this feast day. I quote, Today, the holy, living ark of the living God, the one who carried her own maker within herself, comes to her rest in the temple of the Lord, not made by hands. David, her ancestor and God's, leaps for joy the angels join in the dance, end quote. Beautiful, huh? The, the, this, is, this is it. This is Mary in all of her glory, not because of truly anything that she earned or deserved on her own, but this gift that she was chosen by God. So what does this mean for us? Is this just a Bible study for a homily? What does this actually mean? How can we apply this to our own lives? Here's where I find it coming and hitting really close to home. That in God's plan for salvation, out of all of the people, out of all of the women of all generations, God chose one woman, this simple, lowly, poor, faithful Jewish woman in the outskirts of Israel to be the mother of God. And it was her fiat, her yes, may it be done to me according to your will, that changed all of salvation history in this way that's so radically dependent upon her trusting in God and saying yes to God that even St. Augustine, he'll say this, that by her fiat, she has saved a lost world. Isn't that incredible, right? But it wasn't just a one-time, yes, I'll trust you now. And then she was good, right? Hardly, we know the Blessed Mother. It wasn't just at the beginning of her life, it was every single year, every single day, Day, every single moment, she continued to say yes to God's will. She continued to trust and offer her fiat. And here's where it just hits me, right? Right to the heart. I think like most of us, it's so tempting to look for these moments in our lives as disciples to offer that one big conversion moment, that one big yes, that one big trust, like, okay, God, I'll trust you. And now I'm good right now I can find like this cruise control or to, or to kind of think, right, that 
okay, if I give my life to the Lord as a priest, I'm speaking about myself. If I just give myself to like, then I'll be good. And then the Lord will take care of me and I'll have no problems, no obstacles, no insecurities or fears or anxieties or no sufferings or anything like that. And I'll be good, right? Because I've given you everything, right, Lord? And here's where Mary just comes in in this amazing way. And we see that her yes wasn't just a one time. It was this integral yes, her entire life, every single moment Yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I trust you. Yes, Lord, I'll follow you again. Even in the midst of the ups and especially the downs and even in the midst of the great sufferings and even in the midst of the great tragedies and even in the midst of all the different ways that she was asked to do something that she didn't want to do or asked to follow where she maybe thought, no, I've got a better plan this way. Or even when tragedy set in and she loses Joseph and even whenever greater sufferings come in and she has to follow her son on this path, the Via Dolorosa to the cross, that she would offer her fiat, her yes. Don't we need this witness today, just in our own lives, to just shatter the misconception that if I follow the Lord, then everything will be easy. If I follow the Lord, then I'll have everything that I need and the Lord will just heap blessing upon blessings upon me. I'll never lose anybody close to me. No one around me will ever suffer. He'll answer all of my prayers and I'll never have to do anything that I wouldn't want. It's like, no, hardly. But we see the response to our yes, our fidelity is this incredible, glorious reward that awaits us in heaven that Mary already shares in and invites us to trust invites us to offer our yes, our fiat, every single day, starting right now. May it be done to me according to your word. Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.